So this morning I want to minister a message to you, Abraham's blessings. Or what was it that Abraham believed? So many people are confessing today and saying that I'm a son of Abraham, I'm a daughter of Abraham. But yet while they're confessing it, why aren't we seeing the full manifestation of that blessing in their lives? Have you ever said I'm a son of Abraham, I'm a daughter of Abraham? So it's very important to see what Abraham believed. What was it that Abraham believed that caused him to be in right standing with God? One of the things that I've seen that, that causes a problem, that what most of us do, we say we are sons and daughters of Abraham, but then we start quoting the law. So what are we doing? We are mixing that grace, that favor that was resting upon Abraham with what Moses said. Taking old wine and new wine and putting it together. You cannot do that. Amen? Do you know what I'm talking about? The Bible says that when God blessed Abraham, and we'll go there, He didn't place any conditions upon those blessings. He just said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. They didn't say if you do this or you do that or you do that. He said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So the main aim for you is to make sure that you're a son or a daughter of Abraham. If you can get yourself in that position, then the blessings will be there. Every good thing that God intended for Abraham, intended for you. A matter of fact, when God blessed Abraham, he was thinking about you and me. Amen. I'm amazed to see how many people these days want to be under the law. People that come and say, you have to be under the law. You have to keep the Sabbath. You have to do this. The Bible calls the law the ministry of death. So why do you want to be under the law? So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John 1. I'm not here this morning to say that the law is bad, and we'll talk about the law a little bit later on. I'm here this morning to help you to position yourself so that God would be interested in whatever you've got to say, whatever you're doing. Amen? Abraham obviously did something that got God's attention. So the Bible says, John 1 verse 17, For the law, underline the law or circle the law, for the law was given through Moses, but grace, circle underline grace, and truth came through Jesus Christ. What is the truth about every person here? All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Is that the truth? How do we know that? We know that through the law. That's how we know that. Adam sinned. But I mean, how do you know your faults and the things that you're doing wrong? The Bible says through the law. If there wasn't a law, you wouldn't know that it, would, it was wrong what you were doing. What is in between the law and truth? Grace. 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 So this covenant, this blessing that Abraham walked in was a covenant of grace. God treating us better than what we deserve. 
If you go look at Abraham, if you go look at Abraham's forefathers, they did not serve God. There was no reason for a blessing to be passed on. Remember what God said, if you obey the law, I'll bless you, even generations after this. But if you do one of these things wrong, I'm going to curse you. A curse will rest upon you, generation from generation to generation. The law was just a shadow and a type of the real. That's why it's, it's foolishness. It doesn't make sense to me that people want to embrace the shadow and the type. My wife, come stand here, please, next to this wall. Where's that light, that spotlight? You shine that spotlight on my wife, that the shade falls there. So if I now go and I say, I want to have a relationship with my wife, and I now go here to the shadow, oh, let me hug you. I love you. You're so wonderful. What would you say? You'd say, listen here, Bernard, here's the real thing. Hug the real thing. Embrace the real thing. Amen. Kiss the real thing. Amen. <laughs> But if I now go and I want to embrace this wall where the shadow is, I love you. You're wonderful. <laughs> Old Testament, Moses. The first miracle Moses did turned water into blood. Death came. Jesus' first miracle turned water into wine. Celebration, joy, happiness came. Moses, God said to him, you are in my presence. Take off your shoes. The father to the prodigal son says, My son is returned. Put shoes on his feet. Old covenant, the law, God says, Your sins, I'm not going to forget it. I know what you did. New covenant, Jesus says, Your sins, I will remember no more. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Amen. So where we get it confused is we say we are sons of Abraham. But then we quote Moses. Abraham had the full gospel preached to him. And understood atonement and the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took out bread and it was broken. He took out the cup and it was shared with Moses when he met with Melchizedek. Remember? don't have time to go into it, but you can go and study that. And I think in the previous weeks we have covered that. Abraham understood atonement a hundred percent. He met with Christ, Melchizedek. He's got no father, no mother. Prince of peace. Prince of Salem. Salem is peace. Jerusalem. Where do we have to enter in? Zion, the new Jerusalem, a place of peace. Amen? So why do you want to move away from that? For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 25 verse 2, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. What does it mean? God is not just going to reveal everything to you. But the second part of the scripture also says, It's the glory of kings to Search out a matter. Amen. Colossians says that that which was hidden, which was kept secret, has now been revealed to us. It's no longer a mystery. We know the truth. So look at Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Sometimes for you to serve God, to enter into that promise... You're going to have to get away from some family and some friends. 
Amen. To a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Can you see? I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I want to tell you something. When God gives you a promise, don't always try and carry your family along. Did God say, Abraham, you move with Lot? Or did God say, Abraham, you move? I'm making the covenant with you. Do you know what is the truth what happened? Because Lot went with Abraham. The best part of the promised land was lost. The best part of the, just the next chapter, go and read it. When they came to the promised land, the Lord said, that's the promised land. Abraham said, okay, what part do you want? And he looked and he said, okay, that looks very fruitful there. Everything's growing there. I'll take that part. And that was lost. So in what God has called you to do, be careful who you are carrying along. Amen. You could end up with a lot taking the best part of the promised land. But God still blessed Abraham because his promise was with Abraham. What did he say there? He says, those that bless you, I will bless. And those that curse you, I will curse. Is that right? That was God's promise. That is grace. God assisting you and helping you despite of what you are doing. Because of what he has done. Amen. That's good news. So what was it that Abraham believed? What was it that he believed? I'm going to go there now. Let me just share one more scripture with you. Galatians 3 verse 16. You have to understand this because the first thing that we do is we place laws upon people. And when you bring laws, you bring condemnation upon people. You know, at one stage, I, I'd written down the Ten Commandments in my office so I could look at it every day. I mean, every day I felt so bad, so condemned, because, I mean, you just look at that, trying your best to fulfill that, and as, as you look at it, you are failed. That's all the law does. The law reminds you of all your weaknesses, while Christ reminds you of all your strengths. You know, the Israelites did exactly the same. When God gave them the Ten Commandments, they said, oh, we can do this, man, this is easy. You say, we just have to do these ten things, you're going to bless us. It's fine. Moses is not even up the mountain and they're breaking the first commandment, busy building a golden calf. Yes. But even number 10, number 1. You won't have any image before me, carved image, yet they're busy with a golden calf. Now to Abraham and his seed with the promises made. Can you see that seed is a capital? And all Bible scholars will tell you that that seed is Jesus Christ himself. Now to Abraham and his seed with the promises made, he does not say, and to seeds... As of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. Verse 17. And this I say, that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ. That it should make the promise of no effect. So 430 years before the law came, God had made this covenant of grace to treat Abraham better than what he deserved what was the fault or the mistake that abraham made he wanted to help god and ishmael was born 
So if God has given you a promise, hold on to that. Don't try with your own efforts, your own ability. Amen? Verse 18. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Now if God has promised you something, is He going to withhold it from you? What is our big mistake that we make? As when God has given us a promise and that doesn't manifest immediately, we go to the law. Maybe I broke one of the Ten Commandments. This is why God is keeping it away from me. This was the challenge with the Israelites. That's why Christ was teaching on this. Why Paul taught on this. Because he knew all of Israel knew the law. If they do this, they'll get that. If they don't do this, they're going to get that. Well, the covenant that God made with Abraham was what God had promised. Amen? Am I helping somebody here this morning? The first thing we want to do is we want to get into works. What did I share last week? What Jesus said. All those who are heavy laden, who's been working hard, who is tired, come to me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What is the first thing that we want to do? Want to start fasting? Want to pray more? Want to read Bible more? Want to do more? Well, God says, enter into my rest. I have done everything. Everything. Sometimes the more we do, the more we just get into the way. Hmm? So let's have a look at what Abraham believed. Romans 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead. Is there any situation in your life that is dead right now? If there's any situation and you become a son of Abraham, of the Most High God, even though that situation is dead, Christ can bring life into it. This is the thing that he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope in hope believed, that is the hope in this world and the hope in Christ, who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. Who of you think you need serious faith? Resurrection power in your life to have a child at the age of 100. How's that for a promise to hold on? Not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body already dead. Says he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Do you know what he did? He was giving glory to God before he had seen the final result. That is faith. Thanking God before you've seen the manifestation. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. What did Abraham believe? He believed that if something is dead, it can live again. Because Christ is the living Jesus. Amen? So whatever your situation, what was the real blessing that he received? Righteousness. Righteousness. 
Abraham was a friend of God apart from the law. Many of us have been taught and we think, if I keep the law, God will love me more. If I do more, I'll be loved more. Apart from the law, Abraham became a friend of God because he believed that if something is dead, it can live. That was the full gospel that was preached to Abraham. He understood atonement. He understood salvation. That's why he counted him faithful. He said, even if I'm a hundred years old, I'm going to believe. A matter of fact, Sarah, God renewed her youth. Hmm? I'll show you later. Abimelech, the king, when he saw her, says, this is a beautiful woman, I want her. I mean, he could choose a wife from him, from his, everybody in his community. But he said, this elderly woman, wow, she's beautiful, I want her. You know what Abraham did? He's such a, such a righteous man. He says to her, if he asks about me, just lie. Isn't that one of the commandments that he's breaking? If he lies? What happened to Abimelech when he, wanted to, when he called Sarah into his quarters? God started to plague him. Yes. Isn't that what God promised to Abraham? He says, those that bless you, I will bless you. Those that curse you, I will curse them. So Abraham, this man is plaguing you. I'm going to plague him now. While Abraham was the one who lied. This is the covenant that we have of grace. It's not what you've done, it's what Christ has done. Then he quickly, he quickly backtracked Abimelech. He said, Lord, this guy lied to me. He's the reason I almost sinned now. Please. And, and the Lord said, okay. But you can go read it. Huh? So he's breaking one of the Ten Commandments by lying. But God is still backing him. Why? Because God cannot lie. Because God promised. He said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. If people bug you, I'm going to bug them. This is my covenant with you. What you need to do is, as a son of Abraham, remain in Christ. Remain in righteousness. Amen. Keep your standing with God right. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's righteousness that produces miracles. So whatever you are facing, whatever situation, who contrary to hope in hope believed, and he became the father of many nations. You know, let me just share that my daughter's name is Hope. Do you know that? My daughter's name is Hope. The truth is, there was a doctor in the church once here that they even did an operation on my wife. And there were a lot of doctors there, students studying. And the doctor did the operation, called all of them and said, Look at the inside of this woman. This is what the inside of a woman looks like that will never see children. The doctor came to me and she says, you know your children are miracle children. I said, yes, I know them. She says, you know, you don't understand. I was there. I heard what that doctor said. So your daughter, whose name is Hope, is a miracle. Your son, whose name is Jaden, means God has heard, is a miracle. This is the very scripture that the Lord gave me. When he spoke to me and he said, your first child will be a girl. The Lord said to me, who contrary to hope in hope believed, and you'll become the father of hope. I said, Lord, he says, her name must be Hope and it will be a little girl. I said, thank you, Jesus. That was the only scripture that I held on to. The only scripture. And look at beautiful Hope today. Yeah. Then another friend of mine came and he said, 
You know, I, I had a dream. I had a dream and I saw a little girl with curly hair playing. The first one would be a girl. I said, thank you for that confirmation. So this is why I'm just sharing. Those that are trusting for children, I'm sure our situation was much worse than your situation. A doctor has not said, this is what the womb looks like, or the inside of a woman looks like they will never see children. doesn't matter what the doctor said. What the doctor said is facts. Turn to the person next to you and say, what the doctor is saying is facts. He's not lying. But let me tell you about the truth. Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a hand. So facts will say that this situation is dead, Abraham. Facts will say, let's be serious. Let's just be realistic, oh Father Abraham. You're a hundred years old. Your wife's womb is dead. These are the facts. It says, but God gave me a promise. I'm not going to waver. I'm going to declare it and say it. Amen. What was the thing that Paul wanted in his life? To experience in his life? This resurrection power. This is what Abraham believed. He believed even if something is dead, God can bring it to life. Because this Christ is a life-giving spirit. Didn't you confess it? I'm a life-giving spirit. Why are you a life-giving spirit? It's not your ability. It's Christ's ability in you that you are confessing, that you are declaring. Amen? Not the law. That's why I don't want to be under the law. I want to be in grace. And grace is a person. Amen? Just go back. I go to verse 13 quickly. And for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If you are going to be the heir of the world, you know what's the first thing that you're going to need? Some protection. You're going to need some health. And you're going to need some blessing in your life. Amen. Pray after me. Say, thank you, Father, for committing yourself to my protection. Thank you, Father, for committing yourself to my health and to my strength. Thank you, Father, for committing yourself to my blessing and my prosperity because Lord I'm a son and daughter of Abraham in Jesus mighty name Amen go to Philippians 3 I want to just read from the message translation I gave up all the inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally experience his resurrection power be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. What did Paul say? I want to experience his resurrection power in my life. Philippians 3 verse 10, the new King James. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. The Amplified says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which is excerpts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in the spirit into his likeness, even to his death. In that hope. So, 
That's what Paul said. I want to experience his resurrection power in every area of my life. Is there a situation where there's not life? Speak life over it. Isn't this the same thing that God said to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37? It says, Ezekiel, can these dead bones live? Lord, you know. Ezekiel, speak to it. Isn't that what Abraham did? Calling things that were not as if they were? That means Ezekiel was also a son of Abraham. He believed that if something is dead, it can live. Is there an area in your life that there's not life in? What are you confessing over it? The situation is dead. The situation cannot change. Brother, that's your confession. If that situation is dead, unless a seed dies, it cannot live. What is your confession in that situation? Turn to the person next to you. Ask them, have you been confessing your situation? Ask them, have you been confessing the life that you are living? Right believing produces right living in our lives. So if we believe right, then we live right. I don't have to place laws upon you. You'll automatically live right. Amen. Just turn on to the next page, Romans 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. These are the two things that are against us. The law of sin and the law of death. The law of sin is dealt with when Christ died for us on the cross for all our sins. The law of sin is dealt with through Christ's death. Death in our lives are dealt with through Christ's resurrection. So the law of sin and death has been dealt with once and for all. How do we confess salvation? When we confess with our mouths and we believe with our hearts that Jesus Christ died and that He is alive. For with confession is unto salvation. But the believing in our hearts is unto righteousness. Amen. Do you believe what you are confessing? Righteousness is not for those who just confess it. It's for those who believe it. So let me show you why you should stay away from the law to try and be justified. Let me see who of you have tried to be justified through the law. Just be honest. Hmm? Yes. Have you done it, Bombi? Yes. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. You know, the young people, I shared with you last week, 30% of our population is under the age of 14. And we want to come to them with, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. They're going to run away from God. Preach good news to them. Christ Jesus is here to help you. To set you free, to deliver you. Turn with me your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 3. So Abraham's covenant that he had with God was a covenant of grace. This covenant of grace was made with Abraham 430 years before the law. Before the law. If you speak law, you're speaking condemnation. You know who condemns? The devil. The Holy Spirit convicts. Jesus is the gift with a lift. He says, this, this is not right that you're doing. Oh yes, Lord, now I see it's, this is wrong. Please forgive me. If you have to go make right with somebody, you go make right with him. But if it's, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, people want to do it more and more and more. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 7, are you there? But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious. Now, people say, well, 
This is not the law. These are all the other laws of slaughtering of sheep and doves and all those things. No, no, no. It says here, engraved on stones. The only law that was engraved on stones was the Ten Commandments. So he calls that the ministry of death. was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the grace of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. So the law I've shared with you before is this perfect husband. It never, never does anything wrong. It's perfect. Some of you ladies are married to some of them. Let me see your hand. No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but sooner or later you're going to do something wrong and he's going to point it out. He's going to say, hmm, I told you not to do that. And he never, ever breaks that law. So it's this perfect husband that the church or Israel was married to. Amen? Then Christ came. He's also perfect, just like the law. But he doesn't point out your faults. He says, I know this is your weakness. I've been interceding for your weakness. Let me help you. Let me walk with you. Where you are now to be married to Christ, there's a few things that has to take place. The first is, you have to die. To experience the resurrection power in your life, you have to die. The seed has to die. So if that part has died, the Bible says you are released now to be married to another. Amen? Don't study. You know what the Bible says about marry and remarry? Well, just one of the things, let me just touch on that quickly. If a woman had been married and her husband passed away, she is set free from the law now to be married to another. Amen. So where you were in this marriage and there was a certain degree of glory. And we've seen revival when people have preached the Ten Commandments. But it brought condemnation. If you're not going to turn today, you will burn. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And the people run, let me just give my heart to the Lord and get saved. <laughs> but if there's a message of grace... Jesus loves you. He's going to treat you better than what you deserve. And He's going to help you through all of this. Why do you still want to be married to the law? If you can be married to Him that is perfect. Him that is grace. He that made the promise to Abraham 430 years before the law. Why do you want to now be married to the law? Hmm? Turn to the person next to you and say, choose grace. So the blessings that came to Abraham was not through the law, but it was through grace. Amen? Go to Romans 8 verse 9. But you are not living the life of the flesh, you are living the life of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, directs and controls you, but if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He does not belong to Christ, he is not truly a child of of God. If you go read Galatians 3 again, you'll see the promise that was made to Abraham was the Holy Spirit. Christ's Spirit to help you. Amen? Go to verse 14 as well. For all who are led by the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has the power to bring dead things to life, the life-giving Spirit of God are sons of God. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 says... 
Thus it is written, the first Adam, the first man Adam became a living being, an individual personality. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring the dead to life. Amen. Could the problem be that today we've become intellectual Christians? Instead of just believing with all our hearts. You know what Abraham, God said to Abraham 16 years later after his son had been born. He said, Abraham, I just want to see if you still believe what I've taught you. That that which is dead can come to life. Abraham, I want you to bring your son and let's go and sacrifice him. The promise, come and sacrifice it. The Bible says early the next morning he left. When they said to him, where are you going? What are you going to do? He didn't say, I'm going to take my son and I'm going to kill him. He said, me and the lad, we're going yonder. We're going to worship now. I'm going to praise my God now. I'm going to thank my God because I know even if I have to kill him now, I know that Jesus will resurrect him and he'll be made alive. So we're going to worship. I'm going to thank God in advance. As when before I saw the manifestation, I was thanking him giving him praise, counting him to be faithful who had promised. Are you ready to worship your Jesus? Are you ready to thank your Jesus? Do you believe in resurrection power? This is the promise that God made with Abraham. Even if that situation is dead, even if the doctor has given you the facts, do you believe the truth? As a son, as a daughter of Abraham. Turn to the person next to you ask them, do you believe in resurrection power? How do we know when something is of the flesh and when something is of the spirit? The, the fundamental principle is, has it died? What, what do I mean by that? Has it been resurrected by Christ? If it's been resurrected by Christ, then you know what you are following is in the spirit. What you are following is spirit, is life. So you have all the confidence to worship your Jesus, to praise your Jesus. Everything should be from Christ. This promise, this covenant that was made with Abraham came from Jesus Christ himself, Melchizedek. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Selah. Precious Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank